Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast. And today we are in the middle of a, for me, really revelatory discussion with Lo uh, Martin of Elevate Brands. Elevate Brands are basically an aggregator, to put it in simple terms, so they roll up Amazon businesses. But in order to then actually add value and build out those businesses from where they've got to, it turns out they're employing in super sophisticated as well as very nice uh, chief marketing officer, Lo Martin. And we talked in the last episode, if you missed it, then do catch that. Obviously, it's all of a piece about the overall branding strategy for e-commerce. What even is branding? Why does it matter? And a really important basic starting point. Today, we are going to be talking about some practical things, small loops. What do we need to put into place to um, make sense of the overall customer journey, if you want to use that word, or brand architecture is another phrase that comes up. And the other thing is just the practical process for how do we implement this stuff. So hopefully this is a more practical, actionable episode. I don't think any of this stuff is going to be overnight, quick, easy wins, but I do think it's very, very big wins. I cannot stress enough how much this is important to people who are building their own brand. I see plenty of good e-commerce operators out there at the six, seven, eight figure level even, but who don't nail this stuff. And I think that whilst they are making money and that's to be admired and respected, I really honestly think they are probably leaving a ton of profit on the table, not to mention their brand may not even be sellable. So I think if that's you, please listen very, very carefully indeed. This will absolutely transform your business if you if you really grasp this stuff that's a big claim but have a listen and see for yourself tell me a bit about this we talked about small loops which is a great starting point and the mvp as a sort of mindset so minimum viable product and developing that said i guess at some point people get some of these simpler concepts but they feel that everything's very bitty and that they sense there's money on the table that they're not really building the connection but they're not really sure how to sort of what the architecture what the the structure is for that and i guess i'm sort of dancing around the concept of brand architecture because it gets thrown around and then you and i chatted about it pre pre the show what is the sort of structure that we need to get into place to contain all these efforts and these loops? Are you talking about outward facing structure or structure for operations and getting them done? This is a very good question. I hadn't really differentiated them. So I don't know. Tell me, tell me both. <laughs> what, what do we need to put into place to sort of build this stuff into a repeatable, sustainable way of doing things? Got it. Okay. So that's more on the like operations side. Well, really quickly on the outward facing side, on the brand architecture side that the consumer sees your structure, right? Is like the, the UX, the user experience, the journey of your customer. And that is a crazy multi-pronged, you know, mind map. Right. And, but that should still make sense. Like if this is the persona, they might be asking themselves this question because they're looking for this thing. And so they might go over here and then they might dig into like this type of content to do a little bit of research. And then they might land here. Like 
you know, walk through the hypotheticals there, right? And then create journeys attached to your brand that follows all those different hypothetical paths that your different couple personas might be following. And again, you can use a tool like Whimsical to visualize that mind map. If you have a persona that is, you know, mom with young kid, visualize the mind map of where mom with young kid goes, you know, traveling around the internet to find your product at the end versus, you know, like young college kid, different journey, same endpoint, finding your product at the end. Talk yourself through those scenarios, put yourself in the mind of that consumer and make sure that like for all of the different touch points of the funnel, you have content related to your brand that they might encounter, right? So that they have like seven, eight encounters with you before getting to your product detail page and saying like, that was awesome. I'm buying, I'm buying this doohickey. So outwardly from a structural standpoint, making sure you're there along every point of your persona of your customer's journey is critical. And that's why trying to expand your loop beyond just Amazon bit by bit gives you more of those touch points of their journey. And the more you can do that, more, the more resources you have to do that, the more clout you'll have by the time they get to your product and are making the purchase decision. Okay. That makes sense. And I'm glad you said, by the way, bit by bit, because it's starting to feel a bit, wow, this is a lot of work. But I, I suppose what you're saying is you can map the journey and then start to start to be there at the sort of milestones of that journey but what well, I guess one bit at a time is, is what you've just said really yeah you map the journey and mm. then build it from the reverse right the, the journey all of your different personas the idea is that they end up on a product page so then start with your product page is that optimized for conversion great so one step beyond that is probably either a search result or a landing page are those op- Amazon landing page are those optimized for conversion great Step beyond that might be if it's search result, maybe it's, you know, PPC or, or ads uh, or, or DSP ads over from the landing page journey. Maybe it's like a social post. Are those optimized? Great, right? So you keep building further and further away from the end of the journey and making sure that each of those steps is reinforced best practices and optimized so that you're not wasting any time or money on the journey and and have more a chance of conversion when they when they hit that. Good. And, and by the way, interestingly, that you're starting to talk more the sort of language of the digital money-driven analytical entrepreneur, which is interesting that anthropology is starting to meet analytics, if I may use two and words, because I like my alliteration. So then I guess what we're getting into now is you, you've talked about, okay, so and by the way, beautiful distinction when I said, what do we do next? Okay, well, what you're talking about is brand architecture, i.e. what the consumer sees. And I suppose what we're beginning to talk about now is how do we build this? How do we implement this? So again, I suppose there's a really great phrase by one of my business coaches, no work without framework. I really like that phrase because I think a lot of us, and it's particularly in Amazon, we, we get deluged in data. Operations are so big. Amazon throws the span into the works and creates great crises every so often, kind listing suspension or even, God forbid, but it happens all the time, entire account suspension. It's really hard to have a sort of clear-mindedness about this. So what sort of plan of action, once we've got some idea of the brand architecture, I guess you mapped out the consumer journey. You've already said the very simple thing, start from the end. Beautiful. Love that. Because you're going to get paid by that, by the way. I love that very much. By the just mirrors my primitive version of this. A client was discussing recently in a mastermind about, oh, we want to start driving traffic with PPC. And I looked at a couple of their listings and I said, with due respect, I think we need to start with the conversion rate because the, the listing images could do with like super amount of overhauling. 
So I, I'm totally with you from a very pragmatic point of view. But nevertheless, that can become very piecemeal, can't it? So how do we sort of map out not the consumer's journey, but our journey as, as business builders to, to build out this brand architecture one, one bit at a time? Yeah, so we, we mirror that on the flip side. So again, uh, another tool that, I mean, this is the tool that I think is the the most equipped to to tackle this is Airtable. And and the reason why is because things are always changing, right? And so you need a tool that is as flexible as the world that you live in, in this case, Amazon Ecom. And you know, for me every weekend when I'm when I'm done with uh, a week of meetings and and working with my team, I get to, you know, open up a, a book about Amazon this or Amazon that and learn all the things that I don't don't yet know about Amazon. And inevitably, by the end of the weekend, there's like five new things that I, I want to add to the list of stuff we should be doing, you know, t- techniques and, and hacks that we could be testing. And so I need a framework that's flexible enough to let me like squeeze it in here and put the thing over there and put this one up on this shelf because we don't need it quite yet. And so when you're looking at that mind map of the personas and, you know, the, the, the PDP, which leads to either, you know, which which you got to from either a search result or a landing page, which you got to either from, you know, sponsored ads or social platform, all of those on the flip side have like the manual, right? Of like, all of these things need to be done for this piece to work, for this piece to work, for this piece to work. And you write those tasks down granularly down to like, each individual task, you know, keyword research, 90 day keyword search, you know, all of your little pieces, separating them out, separate them out, let them be a mess, just put them in a giant database, and then you start tagging them. So like, you you tag them by like where they're living, right? So all of the things that you're doing that's specific to that product detail page, you tag it PDP optimization, right? And then you start tagging it by lift perhaps, right? Like, you know, new, new gallery photos are a much heavier lift than optimizing your title or your bullets or your product description. Those are different things. So you, you, you create a tag for like, how heavy of a lift is this thing? How much is it going to cost me from a time and and production expense? And then you tag it by like format. Is this like a visual need? Is this a copywriting need? Is this a research and competitive audit need? Separating things into categories, right? And then you start to order them by hierarchy. You know, out the gate that optimizing, uh, doing your keyword research is mission critical. That's like number one. Doing your competitive audit of, you know, the other products that are competing with that one product, not other brands that are competing with your brand. But if you're selling doohickeys, what are like the eight other doohickeys that are competing with your doohickey and doing the research across all of those doohickeys and knowing where the white space is there, right? So like all of these granular things and understanding as you see them before you, what order you should be putting them in. And so Airtable really easily allows you to say, okay, this is hierarchy one, hierarchy two, hierarchy three. I'm bundling them by, okay, these are all my PDP optimization tasks. They're now in hierarchies. I know that these ones need to be done by a creative person versus a copy person versus a me versus a whatever. So now you have them separated out by hierarchy, by production lift, by type of human being that you need to help you do it. And then you separate that into weekly sprints. What can I do this week based off of the lift and the people I have and the resources I have? 
I know that I can do these things this week and I'm starting at the top of my list, but from the things that I know are going to create the most conversion for me. And then you go through that week, you get those tests done. You go through the next week, you get those next tests done. It's about the process, right? Like the end, it's always going to change. You're probably never going to get there. That's a good thing. Stay in the process and make sure that you have the structure to support your ever-changing process. Just because a process is always changing doesn't mean there can't be clarity around what that process is. Yeah. And you just put your finger on it. I mean, most of the time clarity goes with rigidity and flexibility goes with a certain degree of chaos. It's a bit like my kind of haircut at the moment, (laughs) kind of looking very artistic because I haven't been allowed to go to a hairdresser for months. It's kind of like a conductor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for an Amazon person, that's a bit confusing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so in other words, yeah, free, freedom kind of tends to lead to, to chaos or flexibility and then rigidity and, and organization. And what you're just talking about is that beautiful concept of organized flexibility. And I guess, yeah, I'm, by the way, Airtable, I'm such a fan. Um, I'm only, I realized the other day because I started using it to try and run an optimization of listings project for, for somebody who's quite a big project potentially. And I realized, my, I've been using it religiously for running the podcast for three years with my VAs in, in the Philippines. And I realized I have scratched the surface of the surface of this tool. It's pretty amazing. And I, I, I'm sure that you know a lot more than I do. But without going down that rabbit hole, let's talk about, with, without getting too much into the tools, you mentioned Airtable, Whimsical. But I think more than the tools, tell me about, you mentioned people. So we ought to just touch on this. Like it's, like it's the edge of a universe, I'm aware. But you mentioned who the people are. I guess uh, a lot of people are used to having minimal in-house staff. You can get to maybe two, three million dollars revenue on Amazon with one person and maybe a VA. At some point, you're going to have to either hire or engage on a more permanent basis. How do you even begin to do that when it comes to these marketing tasks? We've been gaily creating task lists now. Somebody's got to do them. Right. Where do you even start with that? Yeah, it's really tough. It's... (laughs) Finding the right people to work with is really tough. Whether you're a small business, whether you're hiring dozens of people a month, it is such a tough task because you never, like you can only do so much to know what to expect. And so for me, I've always, again, chosen the incremental route, testing what I actually need in-house today versus what relationships I can build with individuals that can support my business. For me, I think the very first critical piece of successful team expansion is very clear communication and very clear scope of work. You know, if you are working with creative people, chances are that perhaps you've never worked with a creative person before, but you're probably speaking different languages out the gate. And so the more that you can write down your brief and say, this is the little project that I want to work on. These are all the hopes that I have for the outcome. These are the moving parts that I actually need made. This is the timeline I'm hoping for and the budget I'm hoping for. The more you can map that out and I'm talking, you know, one sheet of paper, a scope of work that has that on it, the better a creative can support you. What often happens in the creative to business relationship is just a total lack of communication of expectations, right? And you know, when you think of a creative or a marketing person, there are lots of different types of people that support those, those pillars of a business, right? A copywriter is a completely different beast than a strategist, than a, than a graphic designer, than a video editor. And these are all the moving parts that you need to bring a product detail page to life, for example. So start with one piece of that project. Honestly, I would recommend the product photography, both, you know, uh, lifestyle and the the hero images. 
you know, try to figure that piece out and then go from there. That's, that's one project where you're collaborating with one type of person, the photographer to get that done, you know, put together the research. Don't just give, you know, like, this is my brand. This is our kind of ethos. Go to town. No, that's, that's not enough. You need to put together again, a mood board, hop on Pinterest, look at what your competitors are doing. Look at what similar brands in the space are doing pull visuals that are inspiring that you feel really do represent where you want your brand to go pull those into a mood board the more information you can provide a creative person ahead of time the more success you'll see in the alignment and the outcome so really making sure that you know there's like communication is turned up on max in your first forays into like creative business partnerships and keep it freelance you know like there's no reason why you have to hire in-house. You can build ongoing freelance relationships with incredible creatives that like working that way. And sometimes it's, you know, it's even better for you because they're working with a diverse group of brands. And so they have that kind of cross-client expertise that they're bringing to you. So, you know, again, there are a lot of platforms that, that help you find these types of creative people. I love using Working Not Working. It's kind of a curated creative platform where people are, you know, have their portfolios and are looking for oftentimes freelance gig-based work. But it's really about outlining as much as possible what the brief is, trying to keep that brief brief isolated to one person and starting from there, you know, try to find a photographer who, who speaks your language, who understands what you're looking for and do a few projects with them. Then lean into them to help you find the graphic designer that's going to put the layer of graphics on top of those pictures. They'll probably be able to help lead that next phase of your project. So if you, again, like establish a relationship with a human being and have a good working relationship with them, ask for their advice and they'd probably be honored and happy to help you find the right fit for the next tier that you need, the, the graphic designer who can come in and, and help you with the toolkit for your page. So kind of build it up that way, right? And I think that one, that for me, it would be my advice to someone who, who hasn't really gone down that path yet. Amazing. This is incredibly practical advice. I love it. And it really takes me back to my days with conducting freelance. And if you, you've you got a, especially effectively the client, you've got a local choral society in the UK with a budget and you go away with your budget on a spreadsheet and you can hire somebody to just hire freelancers and actually you know, a lot of the so-called, I don't know how it works in the States, but in London, for example, the London Symphony Orchestra, there are people who are members of it, but actually a heck of a lot of them are just very, very regular freelancers. And they've got a big, big, big pool of freelancers who have very specialist skills in particular instruments that they've been doing for decades of their life. But there is a certain way of managing those people. They have their egos. You have to you have to do that. But clarity is absolutely everything. And if you speak the right language of a professional and you go bang, 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 and, and it's exactly what they know and it's completely standard for them, you can just nail a, you know a whole team of creatives like I've hired whole orchestras in pretty short time because I knew precisely what I was looking for whereas if you don't know what you're looking for it and I've done that as well you end up with a real rag bag of people and you think yeah that wasn't good so I love again like a lot of what you're saying is amazing value because it's big concepts but articulated like one thing at a time and what you're just saying like one brief one type of person in this case probably a photographer and and one relationship and then expand from that is beautiful i i don't want to mess with this i think you've given us great big concepts but also clarity i'm not going to add anything to that that's going to confuse the picture because i think clarity is is really the lacking thing for a lot of us when we're running stuff and hard to get actually underestimated and so i'm just going to ask you one more question which is what question should i have asked you and just tell me what the answer is 
Oh, that's putting me on the spot. I mean, I, to be honest, I love weaving in the fact that I'm a mom and I think it has a huge impact on what I do and how I lead. And I, I think, I think being a mom impacts a lot of how I look at tasks, right? Clarity, communication, bit by bit. It's, it's a lot of parenting, you know, a lot of parenting parallels to like growing brand, growing teams, really like being emotionally available to human beings, but setting clear expectations and holding people to those standards and also knowing how to optimize your time. So I think a lot of my success, all that to say, I owe to my amazing kid and, you know, all the years that he's put me through the ringer and really taught me how to communicate and be patient and look at the look at everything with optimism. There's always a solution, and it's, it can all be really simple when you just take a human approach to what you do every day. So, yeah, if you're feeling overwhelmed, just and if you have a kid, think about like if this were my kid, how would I deal with it? And you'll probably find a pretty good simple answer because uh, oftentimes the the solutions are a lot simpler than we let ourselves believe that they are. Wow, that's an amazing statement. I'm going to leave that one hanging. Lo, it's absolutely been a total pleasure and education to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you much. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.